am Gregory Hallows, and this is Preserve Halloween Podcast. So, I'm back. I was supposed to record this podcast last week, but uh, things got really busy. I was getting ready for an event um, with my other company that, you know, puts on pop culture conventions, and... I just never sat down to to record this. I had all the topics, everything. I actually took notes. Well, not really. I I actually had everything prepared to discuss. Um, there's three books I'm going to be talking about today, and that's going to be the basis of the podcast. Um, because these are really these are three books that I one is something that is a topic that I've always loved. Uh, one is celebrating one of the the most unsung heroes to me of Halloween so I'm really excited about it and the other is a book I haven't read yet but I was contacted to talk about it so I will start with the first book that is a topic that I love which is superstitions uh this book is called Black Cats and Evil Eyes by Chloe Rhodes and it is a book of old-fashioned superstitions and their origins. Uh, from the front cover of the book, there are few people who are not superstitious in some way, even unconsciously. This wide-ranging new collection investigates the origins of the most intriguing of our traditional superstitions, many of which we still follow today. Hundreds of the beliefs passed down through the generations have their foundations in our ancestors' efforts to ward off evil in times when life was, as often as not, nasty, brutish, and short. International in scope and often reaching back over thousands of years, Black Cats and Evil Eyes sets these superstitions in their historical and social contexts, explaining how fear of the devil... Demons, evil spirits, and witchcraft drove people to arm themselves with rituals and talismans to repel dark forces. In examining many of our commonest superstitions, Black Cats and Evil Eyes illuminates the customs, beliefs, and practices that link us to an ancient and often darker human past. So, with that description, who would not want to read this book? Uh, The author is Chloe Rhodes. She is a freelance writer and journalist whose work has appeared in the Daily Telegraph, the Times, and the Independent on Sunday, as well as in several other national publications. Uh, she has also written books including A Certain Je ne sais quoi, Words We Pinched from Other Languages, and One for Sorrow, A Book of Old-Fashioned Lore. Both were published uh, by Michael O'Mara Books, as was this one. Um, she is very interested in folklore and legends, and this led her naturally to write about common superstitions, which, despite the antiquity, will still uh, they still affect our and color our daily lives. So, this is something that uh, Chloe definitely likes because, uh, you know, she wrote a whole book about it. And one of the excerpts, I guess not an excerpt, one of the. Uh, superstitions that I wanted to basically just read outright um, because it mentions Halloween, which is, you know, the reason I'm here doing this podcast. Um, this one is about lighted candles and evil spirits. Um, so let me let me just read this and, and see what you guys think. And I definitely uh, would get, you know, if, if you're interested in stuff like this, this is a wonderful book. It's just, you know, really short. 
explanations and histories on some of the superstitions that are still prevalent today. And, you know, that's something, you know, with my, you know, interest in history and things, I love the history of words. I, I think I have a book on where words come from, like certain phrases, uh, you know, like rule of thumb, things like that. I have a book on that kind of stuff, so adding this superstitions book is is cool for me. So let me read this uh, Lighted Candles and Evil Spirits uh, little story. Candles have been associated with spiritual activity since pre-Christian times. They were used in pagan ceremonies, and the late Egyptians used them in magical rituals in which they stared into the flame before sleep in the hope of seeing the truth in their dreams. By the 12th century, candles had become part of religious tradition and began to appear on church altars and in blessings. Within the Catholic Church, they were also used in rituals designed to exorcise demons, and it was this association with the spirit world that gave rise to the belief that a flame would go out in the presence of evil. A candle spluttering out during a ceremony was said to indicate the presence of a malign spirit, especially on All Hallows' Eve, when evil spirits were thought to roam freely. In East Anglia, where Halloween was known as Lading Night, candles were traditionally lit by villagers just before midnight and carried through the fields in common lands. If the flames guttered and the candles died out, evil was afoot. If they went on burning steadily, the villagers could rest in the knowledge that they'd escaped a haunting. The power of the candle against dark forces was cemented by their inclusion in the list of weaponry prescribed by the Dominican prior and inquisitor Heinrich Kramer, whose treatise on witchcraft and how to repel it became a handbook for the witch hunters of the Middle Ages. Later, a candle was customarily placed at the bedside of the sick to keep demons at bay, and if it burned blue, it was taken to mean that a ghost had entered the room perhaps to escort the soul of the dying person to the next realm. If it sputtered out for no apparent reason, it was taken as a sign that the patient was about to pass away. A candle is often left in a room after someone has died, but this is where European and American folklore diverge. In the U.S., it is considered unlucky, unlucky to leave a candle burning in a room in which there is no living guardian of the flame, some saying it invites death. it invites the death of a friend or relative. So, once again, Halloween is associated with evil spirits, as always. Uh, I mean, that's an interesting story, but some of it I kind of, you know, let's get rid of witches and Halloween's evil, which, you know, we know that's just making everything black and white. So anyway, despite me disagreeing with some of uh, the stories... I, I do love superstitions, and I love reading people's takes on them. Um, the second book that I wanted to uh, talk about is called An Old School Halloween, and it is by a guy named Jason Young. Jason is a uh, freelance um, graphic designer, and he is also the author of a book called The Wonderful Artwork of Wax Rappers. Not you know, like Eminem and Tupac, but wax wrappers, like, uh, you know, trading cards, stuff like that. This book is, has been one of my favorite things to flip through, uh, nightly right before I go to bed, because it is full of 
some of the best pictures, you know, if you're a Halloween person and love costumes, this is just, you can't help but flip through this and just have a, a wave of nostalgia and just happiness looking at the images in the book. Um, and that's basically what this book is. It is just filled with images and pictures and there are pictures of the author as a child. There are pictures of other people as children dressed up in uh, costumes. But the, the thing about this book that I like the most is it discusses a guy named Frank Romano. And for those who don't know, Frank Romano worked for Ben Cooper. Not from the very beginning, but pretty close. And he worked for the company in, through the 90s. Um, I think the exact dates were 62 to 92. And for those of us who love Ben Cooper costumes, that's like the golden age of, of this stuff. Um, Frank probably drew every uh, artwork costume or the you know the artwork for every costume that we love um he is a wonderful artist he is still um painting in his 90s now i talked to his son a week or so ago uh just to see you know introduce myself and kind of see what he was up to and he said his dad is still painting he's you know recreating a lot of the artwork that he did for the Cooper family. Um, and it's, that's wonderful to me that he's still, you know, doing this stuff. Uh, his artwork is just amazing to me. I, I wish more people knew who he was earlier. Uh, that's another thing his son and I talked about. It's, it's kind of sucks that, you know, Mr. Romano is in his, uh, 90s now and for the longest time people didn't know who he was or didn't realize he was the one that did the artwork for 30 years I mean that's not not only is it amazing for someone to work for a company for that long but to be responsible for basically their to me the identity um, and, the, and the for someone like I, I'm responsible for a lot of what uh, image-wise the companies that I work for or that I own, not work for, uh, their identities. I, I'm responsible for that. So I, I love when I can read about or talk about people that that was pretty much their job. Um, this book, uh, Old School Halloween, and, and Old School Halloween, like I said, this is by Jason Young. And he he says this book is dedicated to the talents of Frank Romano. So I would definitely recommend buying this. Uh, I ordered it directly from him. And um, I will put up the link to order on the notes of the podcast. I plan on ordering some of these to have at the uh, Halloween Festival in November. Because I want this to be in every Halloween lover's hands to, to read. And to just reminisce about arguably the 
the most popular company in regards to Halloween, you know, in, in, as far as I'm concerned, um, Ben Cooper is always going to be synonymous with great Halloween costumes. Um, I think that most of us, if we didn't own a Ben Cooper costume, we knew what they were or envied our friends for having them. I mean, I guess people from a certain age would, but, um, Frank Romano is, like I said, he's an unsung hero of, of Halloween. And, um, just, it's, it's crazy how much and how many costumes he, he came up with and designed the art for. But yes, I would, I would get this book for sure. Um, I, I will post the links and I will have some hopefully soon. Um, the last book I want to talk about is a book that I sadly didn't know about, um, I was contacted by the PR company for this book. Uh, it's called The Halloween Moon. And I get a lot of emails, and I try my best to answer them all. But sometimes some stuff, you know, takes me longer than others. I, I do eventually answer it all, or at least refer, uh, try to to do what I can with it. Sometimes it's something that doesn't need an answer, but uh, I read every email I get, and... This one, as soon as I read it, I just had a <laughs> – it was a weird feeling. I, I was contacted by the PR company for this book. Uh, like I said, it's called The Halloween Moon. It came out, I think, back in July. Uh, let me read the, the synopsis of it before I tell you why I, I was so excited to get this email. Um, the publisher is Quilltree Books. This can be found on Amazon. I'm looking at the – page right now it's $14.49 on hardcover and the Kindle edition is $9.99. Um, Esther Gold loves Halloween more than anything in the world. So she is determined to go trick-or-treating again this year despite the fact that her parents think she is officially too old. Esther has it all planned out from her costume to her candy collecting strategy. But when the night rolls around something feels off. No one is answering their door. The moon is an unnatural shade of orange. Strange children wander the streets, wearing creepy costumes that might not be costumes at all. And it seems like the only people besides Esther who are awake to see it all are her best friend, her school bully, and her grown-up next-door neighbor. Together, this unlikely crew must find a way to lift the curse that has been placed upon their small town before it's too late. Because someone is out to make sure Halloween never comes to an end. And even Esther doesn't want to be trapped in this night forever. Uh, this book is targeted for reading ages 10 to 12, which is not going to stop me from reading it. It is uh, 288 pages, and it is for grade levels 5 and 6, recommended. Uh, again, the publisher is Quilltree Books. Um, this book is from New York Times bestselling adult author Joseph Fink. And if you don't recognize that name, he is the uh, creator of the Welcome to Night Vale podcast and also Alice Isn't Dead podcast. Welcome to Night Vale is one of my favorite podcasts ever. Um, I'm absolutely way behind on it, and I need to start it over again. But the first time I listened to it, I was amazed at the fact that this whole world was created 
Um, just basically, Welcome to Night Vale is every like it's a combination of everything that I love. Um, and for those of you who haven't heard it, I recommend you going right now and starting the podcast. Uh, it's it's wherever podcasts can be found. Um, Joseph ended up writing a novel called Welcome to Night Vale. Uh, he also wrote a book called uh, The Faceless Old Woman Who Secretly Lives in Your Home, which is a reference to uh, Welcome to Night Vale. Uh, I, I can't say enough positive things about Night Vale. Um, it's one of my favorite uh, creations. And Joseph Fink, to get something rec- like asking me to to talk about his book, uh, the Halloween moon was definitely humbling. Um, I, I can't wait to get the book. It's, uh, it's on its way, um, to me to, to look over and review. I can't wait to read it. Um, I love when people suggest things to me. I got some suggestions today. Somebody actually said, I've been listening to your podcast and it's obvious you like books. So, Here's this website I found, and it talks about books that aren't uh, in print anymore or hard to find. Um, I think this person asked if I uh, – there was a certain book that they wanted me to check out, and it was out of print, I think. But I love recommendations. I love music res- recommendations, movies. Uh, I love when I put out my 61 Nights of Halloween list and people tell me all the movies that I'm missing – and I know there's going to be a ton because it's it's very hard for me to pick the movies that I put on that list. And just because I'm on that topic, I will reiterate the reason why there are a lot of movies that people want to be on this my 61 Nights of Halloween list that aren't is because I purposely chose movies that had some reference or uh, ties to Halloween, the, the holiday itself, not horror movies. Um and that's a really hard distinction. Um, same goes for the Halloween festival in November. It's not a horror show. It's a Halloween celebration. So I'm trying my best to make sure that everything involved is Halloween related in some way. And that's not easy because, you know, Halloween and horror have such a, a close ties. I mean, if they're not brothers and sisters, they're cousins at least. Um, but not everyone that likes Halloween likes horror. So, and that's okay. I, 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 I'm about to post my image I made that, that explains my feelings on that. I'm a huge horror fan, but I understand the difference. Anyway, before I ramble, like I always do, I'm going to go, I'm going to give the titles of these books again, one more time. Uh, the first book I talked about was a book of old fashioned superstitions, black cats and evil eyes by Chloe Rhodes. And that can be purchased. Uh, I bought it at Books A Million, I think. Um, I was there in the town where that, that store is, and I was shopping for Halloween. And we went into the bookstore like we always do just to see what what was there. Uh, An Old School Halloween by Jason Young. That was the second book. That is basically a love letter to Frank Romano and Ben Cooper. And I definitely recommend both of those books. And the third book which I'm going to recommend, even though I haven't read it yet, it is called The Halloween Moon. It was put out on uh, the end of July this year, and it is by one of my favorite creators, Joseph Fink. Um, I'm hoping some 
maybe an interview or something comes from this uh, conversation I've started or they've started with me because I would love to talk to, to him and figure out how he came up with all these you know wonderful ideas. But that is the podcast. I need to head home. Uh, I just wanted to, to record this when I had all these books on my mind, even though I was supposed to do it last week. But I can't believe that we're, you know, a little over a month away from Halloween. The part that is the worst about this time of the year is we know it's going to be over before we know it. But, you know, for those of us who love Halloween all year round, this is just, you know, another month. But it doesn't really feel like that. It just feels like there's some kind of clock ticking and the in the month and the holiday is going to be over soon, and that's just not a good feeling. But it's also a great feeling at the same time. Uh, there's so much to do because all of a sudden everyone is is in love with Halloween. Maybe not yet, but as soon as October 1st hits, that's when you know everyone seems to be all about Halloween. And that's one of the best feelings in the world when everyone else is enjoying the thing that you love all the time. And, you know, it's it's hard to explain, but it's it's one of the best things about October is everyone seems to be enjoying Halloween, at, some, at least in, in, on some level. But anyway, that's it for me tonight. I will let you guys go. And just wanted to remind you, as I always do, preserve Halloween.